Welcome to the Audible. I'm Stuart Mandel, and it is signing day 2017. My regular co-host Bruce Feldman is out on the road. I am manning the ship. But fortunately, I've got all kinds of guests to talk to. I've been bringing you coaches throughout the day. If you missed some of our earlier episodes, please download them on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. In this episode, we are going to combine three interviews I did, and that's going to start, first of all, with Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly. We talk a lot about recruiting, but frankly, it's the first chance I've had to ask him about last year's 4-8 and eight season and all of the changes he's made on his coaching staff since then. He also gets into a little bit about Brandon Wimbush, the quarterback who will be taking over for Deshaun Kaiser next year. Also talked to Texas coach Tom Herman, who just finished his first full class at Texas that, frankly, is being panned. Usually everybody's all excited about their recruiting classes. Texas fans are a little bit miffed at a class that is going to finish outside the top 25. We talk about that and, frankly, uh, some of the challenges he's dealing with on the recruiting trail so far. And finally, Georgia coach Kirby Smart. That's a short interview, but we're happy to have him. And he will talk about a class that... All of the experts have ranked in the top five in the country and as high as number three behind only Alabama and Ohio State. So let's get to those interviews now. Pleased to be joined right now by Notre Dame coach Brian Kelly here on signing day. He literally just announced his class there in South Bend. Uh, Brian, I'm going to definitely get into this class with you, but this is the first chance I've had to talk to you since the season. I know you've got a good sense of humor, so I'm just going to say... What happened last year? Poor job by my on my part. I just, you know, poor job of leading our group. Um, no other way to put it. Had a young, inexperienced football team that required better leadership from from me, and I didn't provide it. Um, coming into last year, we had won twenty one games by seven points or less. This that past season, we we lost seven games um, in the fourth quarter. And that requires a coach that needs to be preparing his football team better. And so um, it it falls on my shoulders. uh, And uh, we've been working on it um, since uh, the last time uh, we stepped off the field. So uh, clearly, clearly on my shoulders. And we'll get that. We'll get that fixed going into 17. Well, and obviously, you know, the biggest thing you've done is, you know, it's a, there's a lot of new faces now on your staff, um, new coordinators, new strength coach. Um, and so in terms of the assistance, how does that, and, and this isn't necessarily specific to you guys, but I'm just curious, how does that impact recruiting when uh, guys, you know, these position coaches, they're recruiting these players for a year or more, and then suddenly a bunch of new faces come in right before, um, you know, right before signing day. How does that, how do you guys deal with that? Well, we had a core of 15 players that stayed committed throughout because they committed to Notre Dame. You know, they don't commit to a particular coach. It's uh, why they would want to go to Notre Dame. And so that core stayed together. So it was a matter of, of, of then recruiting to Mike Elko's style of defense, which made it easier because now you can come in and say, look, it's still Notre Dame, but I'm recruiting you. You're the first guy that I'm coming to. To, to recruit to Notre Dame. Same thing with Chip Chip Long on the on the offensive side of the ball. So we were at, adding then another six players um, over the last you know month of the recruiting season, and makes it so much more manageable 
than having to recruit a whole new group. So it was the core of 15 that stuck together because they knew Notre Dame and the distinctions of Notre Dame and, and me. And then obviously being assured that, you know, we were going to invest in all of these coaches. Uh, this was not going to be a, a short-term approach. This was going to be a long-term approach. What is Mike Elko's defense? And he's coming, people don't realize he's coming from Wake Forest. Yeah, Mike, Mike is um, a four-two-five defensive scheme, but it's more about what the players can do. And what, what he wants to do is put pressure on the offense. Um, he was one of three, three coaches this past year on the defensive side of the ball that took the ball away uh, more than 20 times, Alabama, Clemson, and Wake Forest. So he's, he's going to put a lot of pressure on offenses. He's going to take the football away. Uh, and he's going to keep the points down. Uh, and we haven't had that here uh, in quite some time. So um, that, that's where he's been really, really successful um, over the past uh, eight years. And in terms of Chip on the offensive side of the ball, this is a big change for you, obviously, because he's going to be taking over the play calling. Um, right. You know, I know you, you've had different offensive coordinators come through, but I assume this is you know, one, of your, one of the biggest changes you've gone through on that side of the ball. Yeah, giving up the full control so I can be with the entire football team. That was one of the things when I did exit interviews with our entire team. They wanted me to be more involved with the entire football team, not just be on the offensive side of the ball. So um, this will allow me to be active in all phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And, and you can't do that in, in call plays. You just can't be around your entire football team. So it gives me the opportunity to be with our players, help develop all of our players, and and now Chip is, is going to have the opportunity to run the offense as he sees it, and it'll still be the system that I've had here. We'll add some of the wrinkles that Chip has had and have been successful for him, uh, but we won't put in anything that um, you know that our players can't um, easily adjust to in a very short period of time. Now, two of the highest-rated players in this class are tight ends, including the number one tight end in the country, Brock Wright, right. and they've been committed right. for a while, so I assume when you were looking for a new OC, you wanted somebody who would, who would heavily use that position? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, you know, what I liked about Chip is his ability to use two tight ends in the spread offense. There's not a lot of coaches that are running the spread fast, high tempo with two tight ends. Chip is, and that's, that was what I was looking for. So my list grew really short. It was only about two or three people that are actually utilizing two tight ends um, in the spread and playing fast. And he's been doing it for a while. He did it with Petrino. He did it with uh, Arizona State uh, and Mike Norvell. And obviously he was running it this year with Mike at, at Memphis. So um, th this was the, clearly the right guy for me uh, to, to turn the offense over to. Well, and it looks like another um, need that you filled in this class was offensive line. You got a bunch of them. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about those guys, and, and will you need some of them to step in right away? No, I don't think so. You know, we return arguably the, you know, the, the best guard and tackle combination in the country with um, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. Both of them had first-round, second-round grades by the NFL, and they chose to come back, so feel really good. We return our center. We return a, a right tackle and, and a guard that's played quite a bit for us. So really have five returning starters, uh, returning uh, tight end, uh, our receivers, running back. So, you know, we, we've got 18 returning starters. Um, 
and, and the offensive line is, is really deep and talented. So this is a group that will be able to redshirt and, and develop for the future. And that's ideal, right? I mean, you this is the, yeah. the one position where you probably most want to be able to redshirt if you can. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think if you're playing true freshmen, uh, they've got to have a, around them some veteran players or, or you're going to feel the effects of, uh, of mistakes and protections and assignments. And so uh, I, I think we're in a really good situation with Coach Eastant. Harry does a great job on the offensive line and developing players. Um, and, and I think we're in a really good situation here at Notre Dame on the offensive line. All right. So that's obviously an area of strength. And and like you said, it is an experienced team you'll have coming back next year. Um, but I got to imagine after a losing season, there are areas where you feel like you, where you're going to want immediate help. Who in this class can can step into that? Well, I, I mean, you know, we're going to we lost to Sean Kaiser, you know, who was uh, only, a, you know, in terms of eligibility, only a sophomore. He had two more years of eligibility remaining. So. You know, that, that's a guy that you're going to miss on the offensive side of the ball. You're going to lose your quarterback. Brandon Wimbush is going to be our starting quarterback, but he does not have a lot of experience. So we're going to have to surround him with, with you know, uh, players that can pick up the slack for him as he develops. But I think more than anything else, it was, you know, a combination of our, um, you know, inability to either, you know, stop the big play defensively or make the big play offensively in a timely fashion. So, I don't know if there's any one particular area. We played a lot of freshmen um, in the back end of our defense. They're more experienced uh, defensively. Uh, we're going to be able to play guys that, that got that experience last year. So I think the development of the quarterback is crucial. Uh, and I think, you know, employing a new defensive scheme and, and the kids feeling comfortable because, you know, we opened the season with Temple, who won their conference and played in the bowl game. We then played Georgia. Uh, Michigan State and Boston College right out of the gate. So, you know, it's it's not a warm-up schedule. you got to go right into it immediately, and you got to be ready to play. When you said Brandon Wimbush, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like I've been hearing about him for so long that I consider him, you know, a, a veteran, and I forget that he hasn't actually really played yet. Um, what, what can people expect since he, he is obviously going to go into this year, you know, expected to be your starter? What can people expect from him? I think at first glance, it's it's going to be a wild skill set. I mean, you know, I haven't had a quarterback that has the arm talent that he that he has or the speed. Um, but you know, obviously, that's that's only one dimensional. He's got to have the leadership. He's got to be able to to make the plays under pressure, um, and, and he's got to get into the flow of the game. But he has all the skills. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of New Jersey. He led his team to state championship, so he's a winner. Uh, but he's got to go out and do it now. But um, love all the things, all the intangibles. But like I said, we want to surround him with some players that have been out there and have done it so we don't have to put it all on his shoulders. Um, the last thing I want to ask about, um, you know, there's going to be a big change probably, assuming this goes through, to recruiting next year with the December signing period. Um, you know, with the way you guys can maybe structure your recruiting calendar, um, uh, how does that affect you? And also, uh, how important would it be for you if they do go through with the earlier official visits? Yeah, I think I think it's going to happen. You know, I don't I don't see it not happening. I think that's pretty much a, a done deal. But to co- be quite honest with you, I think we're right now our mindset because it is new is that we're going to go at it as if everybody's going to sign in February 
And if anybody comes off the board in December, we'll be happy to move our resources in other areas. So that's kind of how we're looking at it. We, you know, we had five mid-year enrollees. We'll continue to work towards mid-year enrollment for some, some players. Um, and, and that will always be part of our plan. But our plan right now is, is to go after guys with the intent that they won't sign till February. And if we get the good news that uh, they want to sign early, we'll certainly encourage them to do so. That's interesting because a lot of people think maybe other people think that coaches are going to pressure the pressure guys to basically turn the December date into the February date. No, we're not going that route. Um, we, we feel like uh, the best way to do it for us here at Notre Dame is, is to um, build that relationship with the players um, and allow them to decide on Notre Dame. We, we don't want it to be the other way around. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, Brian, I know you got a busy day there, so I really appreciate you taking the time today, and congratulations on um, the class that you signed today. Thanks for having me on. We'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, and that is Books. Be a hero this Valentine's Day and give the gift of beautiful farm-fresh flowers from Books. Books flowers are cut fresh and sourced from sustainable, eco-friendly farms. Books are a better value, your flowers last longer, so your dollars go a longer way. They have farms located on volcanoes in Ecuador, amongst the hills of Colombia, and along the California coast. Books makes it easy on you with simple ordering, no gimmicks, and transparent pricing, no hidden fees. I've used Books myself several times. My wife said they were the best flowers I've ever gotten her. So I hope she's not listening right now because that's what I'm planning to do again this Valentine's Day. So here's the deal. Books has some great things for us husbands, boyfriends, brothers, sons, who always forget things. There's the Never Forget subscription, which gives you a regular reminder and delivery on special dates like birthday or anniversary. And there's the Just Because subscription, which is randomized surprise bouquets sent to someone however many number of times a year on a random basis. You're such a sweet guy for sending flowers for no reason at all. Happiness guarantee. They stand behind their product and experience. So here's what you do. Save 20% when you order early for Valentine's Day. You'll get free delivery on weekdays when you register at books.com. That's B-O-U-Q-S.com. Use code ROMEO. How about that? ROMEO for 20% off your order. That is books.com. Code ROMEO. Pleased to be joined now by Texas coach Tom Herman. And uh, Tom, I'm curious on this signing day. When you were there the first time as a GA under Mac Brown, uh, it seemed to us from the outside that Mac had it going where he could basically just pick which players in the state of Texas he wanted, and they all became Longhorns. I assume it's a much more competitive um, environment now. It is, and um, it is for for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, one being the the fact that um, you know we we haven't fared very well on on the field here in the last three years and that uh, we are going through a, a transition period in coaching staffs. And um, so there's a, a lot of uh, lost ground and time in terms of relationship building. But um, at the same time, although coach Brown did get it to that point, um, it, it took a while, you know, his, his first class, I believe there was only, there was less than 50% that, that were 
multi-year starters and only one NFL uh, draft pick. So um, the first class is is definitely never indicative of uh, the ability of this place to recruit itself as well as our staff's ability to recruit. And I think you'll see um, in very short order in years to come that uh, we're going to get it as close to the way that Coach Brown had it in terms of recruiting as soon as possible. All right, so with that in mind, maybe you can help talk off the ledge some Texas fans who are freaking out because they don't see your class ranked among the top 15, 20 classes on the major services today. Yeah, well, I, I think the, the talking off the ledge part happens uh, two two reasons. One, um, since these kids, uh, 17-year-old kids that are signed in the class of, of 2017, since they were 11 years old, they've seen two winning seasons at the University of Texas and four seven-loss seasons. Wow. Uh, so, uh, they're, they're, yeah, four out of the last six seasons have, have ended in seven losses. And so uh, that's going to take some time to, um, you know, get these young men uh, affiliated or, or uh, accustomed to what – uh, the Texas is that we know. The Texas that, that these young men know is not the same Texas that we know. And that's okay. We're still Texas. Um, and it's going to happen. And it's going to happen very, very quickly. Uh, but it's still, um, you know, an uphill battle uh, for the the hearts and minds of, of some of the young people here uh, in the state of Texas. And then, too, the... the, the the relationship part, you know, we, we wanted to make a, we made a very conscious effort in this signing class to um, know the kids that we were going to sign, to know their personalities, to, to really um, do, uh, you know, vigorous background checks on them to make sure that they fit because the, the metrics and the analytics will tell you that uh, every transition class, I say every, most transition classes and meaning that the, the class that happens in the, the time of the coaching staff transition is the highest rate of attrition, meaning kids that quit, the highest rate of off-field issues, meaning uh, academic issues, drug issues, social issues, and then the highest rate of uh, you know kids that uh, can't play or aren't good enough. Uh, and so we didn't want to fall into that trap. We signed uh, a bunch of kids that, that we know can play and can be developed to play at the University of Texas. Or I mean, we don't sign backups at Texas. And, uh, these are all kids that we have, uh, you know, deemed worthy uh, of us and to, to help us win a national championship at some point in their career. So was that a conscious decision then when you come in to say, you know, we could just go for numbers and try to fill this class up as much as possible, but maybe be a little, instead, it sounds like you guys were a little more selective and we'll maybe go full, you know, more full in, uh, in 2018. Yeah, they're very selective, and I, I think, you know, and I wanted to, because I'd, I'd heard and read that stat before about the attrition and off-field issues and transition classes, and uh, but I saw firsthand, you know, when I was uh, at Ohio State and, and we took over that, that class of 2012, we signed 19 uh, guys in February. I uh, went back and, and just looked at it again yesterday. 19 guys signed on, in February. Uh, and, and that was build the number five recruiting class in the country. And three of those young men played significant time for Ohio state. And so we didn't want to fall into that trap uh, because at the end of the day, it's extremely difficult to combat 
these relationships as well as, you know, nowadays, maybe even harder than it was five years ago because they've extended, they being the NCAA, have extended the dead period in uh, December and January so that you really only have two weeks in December and three weeks in January to get to know these kids and say that, hey, these guys are going to be four or five year contributors to, to our championship program. And that's, that's really, really difficult to analyze um, with, with such a, a limited time to get to know them. Well, with that in mind, the guys that you did get and the guys that you did you know, pick, um, it seemed like an important one is getting in Gary Johnson. He's the number one rated Juco linebacker in the country. It came kind of late in the process. Uh, how important was it to land him? Uh, really important. That's a that's a position on our team that that we deemed we needed depth. We needed um, physical inside linebackers, and, and Gary is certainly that. He is uh, he's a hammerhead, but he's not a, a, a hammerhead slug. He's a hammerhead that that can really really run, and uh, just at the perfect type of middle linebacker for our system uh, to be able to run sideline to sideline, but, but fill the A and B gaps with uh, a tremendous amount of power. He's aggressive, he's strong. Um, and, you know, he's going to come in and, and compete uh, immediately for, for that spot. Who else in that group, you know, that you, you might see coming in? Cause obviously this is a team coming back that was young last year, has a lot of experience now, but I'm sure there are holes you're looking to fill. Yeah, with with Dante Foreman leaving, I think it was important to sign two running backs and uh, to be able to um, get Keneal Carter's commitment flipped, uh, and he was a mid-year guy. Uh, I think that was uh, a tremendous job by our staff going in and really in the span of two weeks going in and and, um, securing his commitment, and he's already in school. And then Daniel Young, who I think, and uh, a lot of people that I've talked to that are they're very savvy in the, the recruiting world, uh, believe might be the, the steal of the class, maybe the steal of all the classes in the Big 12. And so to bring in uh, that talent uh, at that position, knowing that, that Dante is, is leaving, I think um, hopefully fills uh, a void there. And then, uh, you know, the, the receivers, we, we need some, some dynamic playmakers at receiver. And with Damian Miller uh, and Jordan Pouncey, a uh, former Notre Dame commitment commit that uh, I really do feel like uh, we addressed uh, some, some athleticism needs at that position as well. All right. Well, I know you're very busy today, so I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, hope to catch up with you again soon here as you get into spring ball. All right. Thanks for having me, Stuart. Hook them horns. Hey, guys. We'll be back to the podcast in a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Blue Apron. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. And for how that works, let me tell you, a big box showed up at my door the other day, opened it up, and sure enough, there were three recipes for three different meals, all the ingredients you needed, easily labeled, the meat was in the freezer section, uh, everything you needed to make some delicious chicken enchiladas. With Blue Apron, you choose from a variety of new recipes each week, or you let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. The recipes are not repeated within a year, so you'll never get bored. Customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Blue Apron has several delivery options, so you can choose what fits your needs, and there's no weekly commitment 
so you only get deliveries when you want them. And Blue Apron's freshness guarantee promises that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. So here's what you do. You check out this week's menu and you get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com audible. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com audible. All right, happy to have Georgia coach Kirby Smart here on Signing Day 2017. When I was there last spring, we talked about, obviously, the importance of recruiting, and you wanted to, you know, instill a certain recruiting culture and recruiting mindset there. How important was it to, I mean, basically to nail this first full class that you had? Well, first of all, to give and nail it, I know it's it's probably indicative of that with numbers, but that's all that's disputable. You know that those rankings are sometimes inaccurate. I'm very pleased with what we got. I'm pleased with the work done. Are there some guys I wish I had a chance to do over? Heck yeah, some have got away. Yep, but we're going to start targeting the areas of need for next year. You know, we already have. So recruiting is a lifeline of every program, and I really think it comes with your commitment to it. The more you're committed and time you spend on it, it usually pays dividends on today's like today. Well, in terms of this class, what areas of need do you feel you did address the most? Well, I would say O-line. Um, obviously, we got six O-linemen in here, and some of them are, are really big, and some of them are just big. But we, we need some <laughs> of those guys to, ma- to maintain their weight. And, uh, and and we also got a couple guys with some academic work to do. They've got to meet those challenges in order to be here. Um, and then defensive backfield, I felt like we were down numbers and down size, and we addressed both those things with this group. And speaking of those offensive linemen, tell us a little bit about Isaiah Wilson. This is a guy who obviously has a lot of national attention, came from, uh, you know, from, from a part of the country in Brooklyn that maybe um, you know, Georgia fans don't see very often. Well, to tell you a lot about him, he's a, he's a bright kid. He's a fun kid to be around. He's got great personality, and you know we recruited him really hard, and uh, we we didn't know if we were really in it till the end. And then he came on the visit, and he had a great visit, and uh, and we thought, you know what, we, we really got a shot at this guy. And um, for Sam Pittman, our staff to go up there and take one of what I think is the best player, one of the best players in the country, um, speaks volumes you know, to the job that Sam's done, but also the product we have here to sell at the University of Georgia. So I hope it's uh, more evident of things to come that we don't have to just stay in our state. We can go out and find great players and, and they can become part of our family as well. Now, he had a quote I thought was interesting at the time he committed where he said when he was he was on that official visit with a bunch of other guys who had committed to you. And he said, like, about this class, he feels like we've known each other f- forever. Um, did you notice that, that the guys were kind of bonding as they went and how important is that, you know, since this class will probably have a big impact on the future there? Yeah, I think that always helps. You know, I think every college coach would tell you that you have a leader in a class and every coach tries to, uh, get that leader to, um, address everybody else and corral more good players. And that's kind of what happened. It was almost a contagious effect where they all really liked each other. They all kept growing together and they all wanted to play together. And then Isaiah fell right in line with that group. He felt really comfortable, but more importantly, there's an opportunity to play. So all that mixed together, it it, kind of hit a home run. Now we're only a year removed from Jacob Eason coming in there. And he was a guy who fans have been waiting, I think two years, you know, since he'd committed to come in and he did indeed start as a true freshman. Now you've got Jake coming in a year later, um, also very heralded quarterback recruit. Uh, What does that say that he's willing to come in, even though there's a guy there that, you know, most people assumed was going to be the quarterback there for a while. 
Well, I think it first says he's got confidence. He's not concerned with somebody else. He's concerned with controlling his own destiny. I also think that he's got loyal loyalty. He grew up wanting to be a bulldog. He's always wanted to play here. Um, he's not afraid of challenges, you know, and uh, he didn't listen to what so many people say and what happens to kids nowadays is they get so affected by the media, the perception out there, and he just believes in his own traits and he believes in his coaching staff and says, hey, I'm going to come in there and compete. i got to compete wherever I go anyway. Might as well compete against the best, and um, that's what he wanted to do. So I'm excited about what he's going to do for Jacob. I'm excited to see their battle. What people don't realize is that's the public battle, but we got battles going on at corner, defensive back, defensive line, and, and I know they're not as big a notoriety, but it goes on in every position. So you find out a lot about a kid when they've got to compete. And finally, just a quick look back to last season, your first season as head coach, you know, ups and downs throughout, but obviously a lot of guys that you're going to have back this coming year. Uh, what did you necessarily maybe learn from that first season and uh, where do you think things stand going to second to second season? Well, definitely some ups and downs, you know, some disappointing spots, a lot of close games. I mean, really only one game that we were you know, out of um, for the most part. So it just shows you that you got to do a great job with your program. Every little inch of your program, your development, your weight room, your nutrition, your conditioning, I mean, everything matters because it could be that one point, one touchdown difference that, that sends you over the top. So I, I don't expect it to be any different next year. We're in a we're in a league full of parity. Everybody can put every ranking they want up there, but at the end of the day, all these teams are really close. And um, uh, we're excited about what we got. We got a lot of guys coming back. We got a lot more experience. I'm excited about the competition we get to create and the the depth on the special teams. And uh, we got a fun group to coach. I really enjoy going to our team meetings because the kids in that room love football. All right. Well, Kirby, I know you're a busy guy today, so thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Stuart. I appreciate it, man. Have a good day.